All right, this is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! We have a special guest, a guest that means so much to me. We finally get him on the uh, BC here, Malvin Bagadiola. Yeah, How are you? Yeah, you got it. I'm good. I'm good. All right. See, I still screwed it up. <laughs> it was going to happen. It becomes a signature yeah. for us. That's it. Melvin Gadiola, you are an actor. You are creative. I think you're a writer. Producer. Oh, no, not a writer. Not a writer. Oh, okay. No, I do that I same thing. I'm like, I work on creating things, but somebody yeah. else writes it. I read the hell out of a menu, you know, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you're an incredibly talented actor, and you've been all over the stage. I worked with you. We did a Stories High 11 and 13. I think you were producing when we did Stories High 13. That's correct. So you are a... Um, an emeritus, I think, at Bendelstiff, and now you're doing other things. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. I think we met through each one. Was it each one reach one? Or I believe was so. It, it was, it was some youth profile thing where we had to, like, give up our phones and, like, yeah. anything metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It was that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and uh, you've been at the Magic Theater, yes. the Marin Theater Company. Mm-hmm. Um Bravo. New Conservatory Theater Company? Yes, New Conservatory Theater. I currently work at Bravo Theater as their uh, educational director. Right Bravo. on. So you, you're doing fantastic stuff. And we'll get into an origin story and all the other things that you're doing. Norman, as we begin uh, each podcast, how was your week? I got a new phone. A new phone. I'm so happy. But Me not too. A, I got the XR. But not an iPhone, huh? <laughs> no, not an iPhone. Nope. Okay. No. And in fact, it's actually the same model. So I bought a phone last year. Um, and... Broke it, mm-hmm. and um, and then bought the same model, and just didn't want to pay all those extra fees and stuff. I'm like, I'm gonna go to the flea market and get a case. I'm not paying y'all, you know, twenty bucks mm-hmm. for a freaking case. Yeah. Um, went home like within a night or so, put it on top of my car, and it slid off, and bam <laughs> on the. So I, and so I managed to make that thing work for most of the year. Mm-hmm. Until it was finally so cracked and bad that it was like dialing people and just <laughs> randomly going to websites all by itself. Yeah. And so then I switched back to an old phone, which is really crappy. And I finally, this last week, it was starting to do stuff. And I went, okay, just just do it. So as of yesterday, I have a new phone, which means anybody who's trying to get in touch with me, <laughs> if I'm like, who who are you? You're texting me. You're saying yeah. stuff. I'm like, I don't know. Isn't that amazing how we put so much stuff on the phone? Mm-hmm. It's like. I don't even know who people's phone numbers are. <laughs> right. Everything is on there. Right. Yeah. I have a couple of phone numbers memorized. Yeah. Well, I got a new phone, too, and it, like, it, the messages is now um, you can read it instead yeah. of listening to it. Oh, oh. Yeah, but it was some weird message. Oh, weird. Yeah, about uh, me having, um, what is it? It says that uh, I'm, I have. He's looking right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, here, here. There's a tra- transcription right. be- beta. What mm-hmm. I'm Um. Oh my God! There's some allegations pressed on my name. I don't know. I think. Oh no! No, 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 no! This is fake. Mm-hmm. It's one of those. Yeah, if I don't, if I don't know what yeah. phone number it is, I've been getting a lot of fake phone calls. Uh, yeah. A lot of you know, like, "Hi, we're from the receptionist. Can we talk to you?" Or we're from the I don't know. And sometimes I owe money. Right. Yeah, you owe money. Yeah. Right. right. Oh, I just got one in some part. language I didn't even know what it was. I was like, "Oh, that's what everybody's complaining yeah. about." <laughs> And listen, so I work for the DA's office, uh, and we deal with consumer fraud. So if any, if the IRS calls you and they're like, now, may I get your name and your number? I'm like, listen, if you work for the IRS, you've got a computer in front of you. You've got that information. Why don't right. you tell me? Right. Exactly. And odds are they don't. So don't, don't, fall, for the, don't fall for the Don't fall for the no fraud. <laughs> um, other than that, I did um, Playground. Oh, you've been doing Playground. Right? I know. <laughs> yeah. I was 
so, so Mara has seen, no, it wasn't you. There was somebody else. Was, oh, uh, Chris. Um, Christian, Christian Haynes. Uh-huh. Um, she's seen him three times in shows. He's been in drag every time. So he was in the one with the pumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's right. Shoes. I was afraid he was going to fall over. I know. Well, and he worked it so well. He had the whole audience worrying that he was going to teeter on He being Melvin. No, she also recognized Mel, and she was like, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. She's so happy when she knows somebody. So. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right on the yeah. playground. But, yeah, no, we uh, we just did that. Um, and my piece won. Right on. Oh, my God. You did? It's I, amazing. I like the shoes the best, I have to admit. I you love the shoes. shoes. Well, the acting was solid. I yeah. thought the script, because the script started off and it was just goofy, I thought. Mm. And then it actually, like, settled into some wonderful stuff, you know, commenting on trans and, right. uh, and this weird thing where the wife comes in and then they keep having the scene Almost as if she's not there, but she's standing there totally reacting to what's going on. It was, mm. it was funny. Right. It was well directed, nice. well acted. I thought well written. It sounds like the playground is really developing a community. I mean, it's yeah. amazing. Well, and right now is a bizarre mix because they've got the equity actors back, mm-hmm. um, but they're still bringing in all these non-equity actors who have. So the folks who have risen up in the last two years are like, oh, yeah, we're keeping you. Right, <laughs> right. And cool. so it's a great mix. So mm-hmm. some of the shows, the casting could be incredible. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. And mine was a weird piece about, um, what was it, a place for Elijah. Mm-hmm. Because in, if you know your Old Testament, in mm-hmm. Jewish culture, um, as part of Passover, they set a place for Elijah. It's a big dinner mm-hmm. thing, right? And they set a place Elijah. So it turns out it's not Passover in the story, but mm-hmm. she just an old woman, and that's her way of just inviting some company in. Oh, interesting. Oh, that was sweet. And then she falls. And then she falls. Uh, I'm she falling. Falls. <laughs> and I can't get up. I'm yeah. a cliche. Oh, yeah. And it was Drew Carlin. Which, yeah. yeah. Which for me, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that is a Bay Area royalty, theater royalty. Oh, nice. And I said that to her. She said, please don't say that. And I said, okay, how about Howard, your son-in-law, and Nancy, mm-hmm. your daughter, I have known since their little girl. She's out of college now, I think, mm-hmm. but since she was a little girl, we did a show way, way back. Uh-huh. And I've known them that long, mm-hmm. and then I started seeing the Carlin name everywhere, and I was like, oh, these are important people. Wow. <laughs> so I had Joy, mm-hmm. and Joy's older, so I, I think if she hears this, she'll admit that she gets, like we all do, a little nervous about having the script in your hand. Mm-hmm. Losing your place, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But she is such a seasoned professional that she's just making stuff up. I know it's probably even so she was cracking up the audience as she's looking for her place. She's making jokes. Yeah, <laughs> she's that's awesome. But yeah, it worked yeah. wonderfully for the piece. Yeah. And, and there was some concern about whether or not the piece would be a stereotype because a black kid mm-hmm. has broken into the house. Oh. and she mistakes him. She's got a little yeah. thing that she's uh, you know. I'm, gesturing to my neck. Yeah. She's got one of those little necklaces to it's call like for a help. Right. Thing that you can push in. Yeah. And so that is set up at the beginning of the scene and then she kind of passes out on the floor and says, oh, I must have fallen asleep. You got here so quick. Mm-hmm. And it's this guy. And they were worried that that was going to be this big stereotype. And I'm like, well... And as much as any of it is a stereotype, it would be a stereotype. But it, you know, it also... I... So it was, it was wild. You always talk about how I approach things as a director. Mm-hmm. I'm like, let me see what the actors are going to bring to this. because if, And it was, I swear, I walked in. I was trying to get props and things together. So mm-hmm. I walked in late 
and I'd send a message saying, just tell them just to go ahead and uh, start reading through. I walk in, and, and boy is over there, like, giving me, you know, ghetto accent. And I'm like, oh, I didn't say anything. I just sat there. Boy, within minutes of me walking in the room, that was gone. And I was like, good. Oh, okay, good. And, and it never resurfaced. And I'm like, yeah, that would be the cliche. Yeah. What I want is somebody like, like Amy Mueller's son, Derek, mm-hmm. um, somebody who has grown up here, grown up in the community, definitely has a black identity, but is n- nobody stereotype right. at all, mm-hmm. but is in a hard situation. And that's what the play set up. And, and so mm-hmm. every show at the end, they put out these little uh, fish bowls. Yeah. And you vote for the piece that you thought was the best. Ours won. And I was Excellent. Like, I'm putting money, right? You, well, you have an envelope. Oh, okay. They say that you got to put some money in the envelope. Yeah. So, you know, if your friends come, if your mom comes and she throws 20 bucks down. Is that like 20 bucks, essentially? Yeah, basically. Oh, yeah, there you go. And I, 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 Jim always makes it sound like that's a bit of a joke, so I think there's some flexibility in that, but I hope there is because I really don't want my friends coming and buying. My, you know, <laughs> if my show is lame, I don't want you I buying it so that it ends up in yeah. Ends up in the best of at the end of the season. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> no yeah. Don't don't do me that favor, please. But it sounds like fun. It sounds like a fun environment. Mm-hmm. And, I love, and I love to talk about stereotypes and you know as playwrights because I've worked with a lot of budding playwrights and I guess I'm a budding player myself. How you can add yes, like characters that you don't even think about. Right. And all of a sudden they can can become very quickly cliche. Mm-hmm. And you want to worry wash out with not having stereotypes. Well, so Mel played a uh, boss mm-hmm. in this scene. And it's, in terms of being an actor, it's one of those characters who everybody's been talking about, but they don't actually walk in until almost the end. Right. So a certain as something is established for it, but you still have to walk into that and embody it. Mm-hmm. And it was just gorgeous. And I'm like, okay, and of course, this isn't about being Filipino or not Filipino. This is... This is the boss in a very diverse workplace. <laughs> right, right, right. Or the supervisor. Right, right. right. I mean, I, when I looked at it, it was just so much more about, you know, their colleagues. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I just so happened to, mm-hmm. you know, supervise them over something. Right. But, yeah, you're right. When when you have, like, such few lines and right. you're walking in on, like, the tail end of it, you know, I always say, hey, make go home or go big, right? Right. Yeah. But at least, you know, you make it. Yeah. You make it stand out. Yeah, exactly. You did. You, you did. It was, <coughs> real. it was wonderful. And it's, I mean, that's the way I feel like I know you, doing these weird little pieces. In fact, I think when I first met you, you had your head shaved. Yeah. <laughs> so I figured, you know, I figured, one, that means I don't know how old you are. <laughs> and I don't know what your hair is going to be like. But then I finally saw you with a full head of hair. And I was like, damn, this man's got a beautiful head of hair. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Thank you. But I've also seen you do so many different kinds of things. And I'm like. You're going to be one of those actors that's just hard to slot. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a wonderful thing. I mean, incredibly diverse. I think you. you I think it was one time I saw you as a rapper. I don't know. Maybe that's just something in my mind. I think it's because of the, the shaved head. I mean, maybe. I think most definitely when I did have my shaved head or my head shaved, it was, one, it was because it was cheaper. Yeah. Uh-huh. By yourself, right. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the dollars clip ring. You're like, yeah, I'm sure. for four years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've had my head shaved for, for the longest time, and, um, and I did this play at Magic, and um, they were like, you know, can you not do it? So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll let it grow out. Mm-hmm. And after that, I kind of just let it go. But that was before mm-hmm. I did um, The Oldest Boy at Marin Theater Company, where we had to play Buddhist yeah. monks. And, oh. and it, it had to always be shaved. And right. it was like, all right. And 
you know, it was it was great to you know also have other folks in the in the cast to do it because we all did it as a ritual. Sure. So, oh, yeah, a lot of them had full grown hair and um and so they had to play monks and it mm-hmm. was a real ritualistic thing that we did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like when I was when I had that, when I had my head shaved, I would always get like these, you know, like you said, stereotypical like mm-hmm. characters, be a rapper or, the, or, or like uh, a mugger, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, or or someone who's breaking in, uh, yeah. But and then you you think about it too. I mean, like also being gay, you know, I I try not to uh, always get slanted in those gay parts. Right. Sure. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I'm more than right. that. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I feel like, and so yeah. I've been blessed to to also do other stuff. You know, yeah. aside from from right. the right. being gay and mm-hmm. a criminal brown character, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Which all of us have had to deal with. You know, that stereotype. I don't think so, I'm yeah. or whatever, but uh, just you know, I've, I've had other stereotypes. But when you do get put into those stereotypical uh, roles, though, I mean, I think you have to do it justice in terms of like making it human and making right. that. that person and individual. Well, right. I wish I'd known that when I was younger. I'm lucky that I had good directors who pushed me in that direction, but I'm like, wait a minute, should I be more, like, you know, street? He's like, you know what, just be you. Yeah. Well, but I'm not, but I'm not that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's, I think I did this one play where um, it was with, with Playground. I think it was uh, Kano and Abe, and I end up um, mm-hmm. like having a hand in, in, in my brother's murder mm. and it just felt you know like ugh right yeah and then the, the, my my opposite is my actual opposite like oh, my, my, oh. my partner played my brother right. yeah. and so oh is that Jeb? Jeb yeah Jeb killed Jeb yeah well I didn't have a hand in it it was for folks who don't know Jeb Rosario who was also on the yay this is uh, Melvin's that's Melvin's partner mm-hmm. together. okay go ahead yeah, no, and it, we would have these these um, these scenes, in, you know, in the play where we would be fighting and we'd mm-hmm. literally be like, you know, um, trying to kill each other. Uh-huh. And it was um, it was funny because we would try and rehearse it at home. Oh no! <laughs> and like halftime, and it's like that's not how it's supposed to go. <laughs> you know, and 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 that's the thing too. Working with 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 someone that you're you know you have a relationship with, it it becomes. Um, you guys not directing each other, right? You know what I mean, right. and, and leaving that up to the director. So right. if you know, yeah. if, if he has like a uh, suggestion, like I always say, oh, don't tell me, like you know, just tell the director first, and yeah. if he so fits, because right. at that point you don't want to, you know, convolute it with like, well, I feel like this is how it should go, and it's, right. like, it's not. Right, it's exactly. not how you make it yeah, I've yeah. just. And you don't want to make it personal. And, exactly. let's, and let's keep that out of our relationship. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Let's jump into some current events. These are wonderful yeah. things Holy to talk about. Holy cow. <laughs> this week, current yeah. events. <laughs> and I don't know if you got it, but I got oh it. But well, I mean, they've been a bunch of stuff. So okay. Kareem Hunt of the Kansas City Chiefs, um, he was cut his NFL list. And it was, it, was it 24 hours, 48 hours? Well, TMZ, yeah, it was all wrong <laughs> immediately. So the Kansas City Chiefs, for those who don't know, they have the best record. Well, they used to have the best record. They have one of the best records in the NFL. They've okay. done a fantastic job. And the one number one running back is Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. Well, the weekend before Valentine's Day, just like Ray Rice a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. he assaults a woman. Right. I think they're all drunk. Right. And he pushes her down on the floor and right. kicks her. And, kicks her, and right. there's like a video of it, right? Yeah, there's a video. 
And the NFL never got a hold. Well, we don't know. The NFL never got a hold of the they video. Claimed, right. They claimed, and the Chiefs never got a hold, so they kept them on. Right. From December all the way through training camp, through the preseason, through the regular season. I think we're like in week 10 or 12 of the NFL. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, TMZ, oh, guess what? Merry Christmas. Here's a, a video right. where you can see everything. And now they're like, oh, no, we can't have that. you right. got to go. Right. So Kareem Hunt is out of a job. Wow. So oh, I thought it was, you were talking about the guy who got, he got let go and then immediately another team picked him up. Yeah, my, my poor, I, I can't, I can't claim the Redskins anymore. I just can't. <laughs> so the San Francisco 49ers find out this guy has been beating his girlfriend. Right. And they let him go. Right. Immediately the Redskins pick him up. Right. And it's like, oh, for God's sake. No one will pick up Colin Kaepernick. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I and then he says, Colin Kaepernick, you know, you disobeyed the flag. Horrible right. view. Right. Oh, you beat a woman? Well, these things happen. That's personal. That's, that's yeah. yeah. Uh, I've actually stopped watching football. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I used, watch. Yeah, no, I used to love the, the 49ers. Yeah. You know? Well, there was a time. There yeah. was a time, you know. And then and then Beyonce had a show. And then it was like, it should just be a Beyonce show. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. Year. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. You know what I mean? The good old halftime shows. Yeah. <laughs> they are doing these special halftime shows, not just in the Super Bowl anymore, because viewerships are down. Right. No one's watching right. the NFL or right. baseball or a lot of these sports anymore, so now they have to have a halftime show right. where they're doing something big. Oh, that's cool. So, I think, you know, everybody's going to tune out as soon as that halftime show is done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Let, me, let me see what else is on. Exactly. Right. like that. Right. Who's playing? Yeah. 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 Did you hear about the New Hampshire high school kids who sang a racist Christmas yeah. song? But I haven't heard the full story. So the full story well, I know is the, the melody is Jingle Bells. Yeah. I've seen the lyrics. And both. they replaced it with KKK, KKK. But I Kill. thought it was, I thought there was an assignment that they were fulfilling. Yeah, right. So a teacher, I don't know what was on the teacher's mind. And both of you are in the teaching <laughs> industry. So maybe you can give me some insight. So this teacher was like, listen, I'm going to put you back in the times of the post-reconstruction. Right. You tell me what a song would they would sing during the post-reconstruction. Right. And they came up with this. KKK thing, right. pretending, and I guess, I mean, yes, everyone was a bit racist, and the sure. feelings were high after right. the Civil War, yeah. and yet these white folks had to live with, you know, the blacks who they had been oppressed. Right. So I suppose they would sing something like that, but why would you teach kids in 2018 something like that? that I can see to me. teaching it, uh, videotaping it, I feel like. We're not videotaping this because well, I, I, I don't know about you, but I do stuff where like sexually charged stuff. In fact, we just did. Oh, that sure. was the other thing that happened this week. Um, yeah. My kids performed, and we did a bunch of things from Spoon River Anthology. I now want to look for somebody to produce Spoon River Anthology because mm-hmm. I'm in love with it. Mm-hmm. But it's all monologues from the grave. It's all it's a graveyard, mm-hmm. and they tell a little bit about what's going on, and by um. As it unfolds, you start to find out, oh, this one's connected to that one, this one's mm-hmm. connected, this is how they're all connected. Like Crash, the movie? Is it like that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know Crash. Oh, it, Crash is like that. Like, oh, like Crash, yeah. Little, little snippets of, like, Yeah, there's, like, many lots of different stories. There's a crash that happens, I think, in L.A. Okay. Mm-hmm. And different people's lives are affected. Uh-huh. And it gets into racial tensions or whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah, okay. yeah it was Well, it's, 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 so this is from, like, 1921 or some oh. crap. It's a beautiful piece. Um, I just took a few to have my students do it. Well, it turns out, and I wasn't aiming for this, but I had girls doing pieces about one was just dying in childbirth, but the other one was raped by her boss, Mm. the boss's wife who couldn't have a child, 
says, don't tell anybody, and I'm going to, we have a farm outside of town, I'm going to tell people I'm pregnant and go stay on the farm, Yeah. and you're going to stay with me, take care of me, and that's the baby, and so... So, and it's a short, they're all short pieces. And so she finishes with, and so when I would see Hamilton Green speaking, people would think, oh, you're just so proud of the local boy done good. And she's like, no, that's my son. That's my son. And he's the local politician. And he doesn't know. In his speech, he says, I am the proud son of Mr. Green and Mrs. Green of this, you know, stock. And they, mm-hmm. everything that I am is because of them. And meanwhile, the mom is standing there the whole time staring. Yeah. Now, so, is there a racial element to that? Mike, there, there wasn't. Okay, go ahead. There could be. I mean, we had, I wasn't aiming for that. Sure. In fact, I had one black girl and I gave her, I gave, and I thought about that though, because mm-hmm. I gave her the most fucked up piece. Yeah. Uh, Minerva Jones, the town poetess, she's got a cockeye and a weird walk, and everybody laughs and hoots at her, mm-hmm. and it turns out that she was actually the town whore, but that doesn't come out in her piece, thankfully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, but she died. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was raped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she died. Mm-hmm. And she said, but did anybody collect my poems? I, what is it? I thirsted for love. I hungered for life. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And I was like, okay, I kind of gave her a fucked up piece, so let me give her a different one. So I gave her um, this beautiful piece, and there were a lot of husband-wife things. Yeah. So there's a husband, he's a preacher, and we didn't actually use his piece, but he complains mm-hmm. about his wife, who's a whore. Mm-hmm. But he pretended like he didn't know because mm-hmm. he didn't want anybody doing that, but he secretly was... Sending stuff off to any editor that he could, hoping that he could get a book deal so he could make enough money so he could quit being a preacher and divorce her. Oh, wow. And then she comes out with her piece, and she just says, the secret of this is this. The secret of this is this. She has this whole list of about Mm -hmm. 12 things, and the last one is, my secret is buried under the ground where you will never find it. Mm-hmm. It's just beautiful piece, and I was like, okay, let me give the black girl that to end with, because mm-hmm. I gave her this messed up piece to start. <coughs> oh, yeah. But I didn't do the racial stuff, but I, yeah, yeah you know, rape and all this I'm stuff, sure and I'm like, and I'm having to explain this stuff to the kids in class, because yeah. we're doing these pieces, you got to know, yeah. and I do that regularly, and I get some blowback, I get some pushback on it every now and then, and I'm like, with all that's in the world, with the stuff yeah. that's in their music, please don't try to tell me that yeah. these poor little innocent kids, I'm... I mean, if, if it's constructive, that's fine. I don't see how constructive this thing is in New Hampshire. Yeah. Well, I see how putting them in that place would yeah. be constructive. I... Yeah, I question how far it went. Yeah, them singing KKK and, you know, and yeah. hanging blacks and being right. jolly about it. I'm not sure if that how that helps. Well, the reason I mentioned well, it, well, no, what I was going to ask is that is it the teacher who posted it or who posted it? I, I mean, I think it. I think someone surreptitiously, uh, you know, captured recorded it, recorded yeah. it, and then posted it. I think that's how it Yeah, down. because I feel like in this day and age, it's all about, like, how many hits you can get or right. how, how viral you can make right. it, regardless of whether or not it offends or it's completely right. offensive. Right, right. exactly. Well, and I would imagine the stuff that Brava does has to touch on some of this. Yeah, I mean, uh, with with the kids that, that we teach, I um, um, so I... I Run the youth program over mm-hmm. there, where we have a uh, we have a dance component, a music component, a technical theater component, and also mm-hmm. an acting component. Yeah. Um, recently, we've been doing works that are not only entertaining but also you know educational. Mm-hmm. Um, the last few that we've done is uh, Hope in the Mission, which uh, centers around an immigrant family from Mexico who gets a uh, who 
owns a, a panaderia, mm-hmm. but ends up, you know, they're trying to pass on the legacy to, to their, oh, one, of their, one of their grandkids, sure. and, but one of the grandkids is like, I don't want this, right. and, you know, and, but the brother wants it, but the girl who's also kind of questioning her, her gender, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of putting it in that sense of, of yes. expectations, but mm-hmm. we're letting these kids know that, hey, you can be entertained, but also at the same time, like, pick, you know. Sure nuggets of information and, yeah. and knowledge um, and then uh, for this year uh, coming up in April we're planning on doing uh, Facing Our Truth mm-hmm. it's a uh, six ten minute plays about Trayvon Martin race oh, and privilege nice. oh. and so you know it's definitely something that we want to try and um, you know educate kids about because it is something that they're dealing with really? yeah oh, absolutely no when you had talked Norman about the story about um Stories from the Grave, and right. all of a sudden the past history it reminded me of Strom Thurmond, the last days of Strom Thurmond, Ooh, yeah. and when he Ooh. died, and all of a sudden <laughs> this black woman comes up and says, guess what, I'm his daughter, yep. because he's this he racist. Yeah. <laughs> <Damn. laughs> yeah. So, and kept it secret. All yeah, that time. Absolutely. Oh, also, Kevin Hart. <laughs> I can't That's all I gotta say. I can't believe that guy. Unfolded. So for those who don't know, he was going to be hosting the Oscars, and then they found out. Less than 24 hours later. You know, it's like, oh, let me vet this guy after we've <laughs> invited him. Well, and the thing, too, is that, like, I guess he, he started deleting the tweet. Well, yeah. Yeah. the first headline I heard was he had sort of stood up for himself when they pushed him to do it. Then I hear, no, 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 he was already saying, oh, let me get rid of all this yeah. when it came up. Yeah, so you trying to cover up for some mm-hmm. instead of just owning up to it. You know, exactly. It's about accountability. Look, if you did something in the past and it's come up and you mm-hmm. apologize about it right. and you it's obviously come up again, like, yeah. what's the harm in you apologizing again for something yeah. that right. you did and you know it's wrong? Did you, did right. you, did you see the tweets? No, no, no I choose not to uh, put yeah. myself no, in those kind of situations. Yeah, oh, about his son and exactly. like, Bingo. yeah, and then I, he says something about like, uh, if, if I see my son playing with a doll, I'm gonna hit him over the head because he ain't gonna be gay like that or something like that. Yeah, oh. and it's just like, great. So let's perpetuate violence towards right. kids, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, like some mean? notion that you got some choice about yeah. what your child is gonna be. Look, right. for me, uh, growing up, you know, male figures have always had this thing where you know, just because you're a man, you do certain things, you're allowed to do certain things, like mm-hmm. have a bunch of kids, right. have ha- extramarital affairs and all of these things, as long as you take care of them. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, that's not how right. what being a man is, you know what right. I mean? And so, mm-hmm. it, and, and yet, they can't hold hands because, you know, they, they their, their image of masculinity will be shattered. Right. For it's something, for right. something so tough, right. seems like it's fra- more fragile than China, you know what I mean? <laughs> like... I can't, I can't, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's where yeah. we're at. What is the other one that's up this week? The, um, there was a study that came out about, and it wasn't male fragility, it was male um, insecurity. Right. That the GOP mm-hmm. has been taking advantage of male insecurity by targeting the fears, and oh, sure. that's what's been coming yeah. up. And it seems like that's what we're in, in this era of yeah. Having to take care of men or having these men who react out of yeah. some level yeah. of fear. I, I, I see it in advertisements. I see, you know, like I listen to this uh, sports um, radio thing, and they have the male enhancement pill. Are you tired of being, no. you know, weak and, and whatever? And what you know, can't handle it in the bed. You know, I, want, I want to hear one of those <laughs> things. It's like, are you tired of being weak? Try giving birth. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There you go. You know, or because, or, or, like, I have, you know, friends, you know, my best friend's a woman, and, and like, I, 
whenever they're in that, it's like I researched it, and it's literally their, their bodies like right. breaking down right. and pushing it out. You yeah, know? exactly. And, and and we're scared mm-hmm. because we might yeah, <laughs> apo- to apologize for or something just, that we just like, or you just know? testosterone <laughs> pills because obviously you're not manly enough. Right? Yeah. And these it's are just, just on the fears. Right, but these are the things that kids, you know, I mean, as much of it is in media, you know, or right. it, and what they see, it's, right. it's they're being taught these things at a, at a very yeah. young age. It's a yeah. culture. And, yeah. and you expect them to be, you know, not, we're not teaching them the right things, I think, to right. be... Yeah, grown-ups. Yeah, yeah, education has become a mess. Yeah, <laughs> I'm hoping, so it's, so it's been so recent with the Kevin Hart thing, I'm hoping yeah. that he will get a chance to do the right thing, because this really isn't about the Oscars anymore. Mm-hmm. This is about this man really taking ownership of what happened, and if he's already apologized for it, then what's the problem? Apologize again, move on. Yeah. And I don't even know if he is sorry about it or if he's sorry that he lost out on doing the Oscars and how it's going to affect his career and all that stuff. He's got so much money. He He does. Yeah. He doesn't need Oscar money. And I think he's had some issues in his his own relationship. I think while his wife was pregnant, he was messing around with another woman. I remember that was a couple (gasps) years ago. Oh, so is he going to apologize for that too? Or or, or is he going to (laughs) do I'm just saying that maybe you draw the line. You know what I mean? (laughs) Of, of taking accountability right, and exactly. saying I'm sorry. Yeah. Shoot, a real man would apologize. Nice. I would love the to see our culture. saying I'm sorry. Now, that's something that we can talk about. You mean heterosexual men, you know, not not knowing, not being man enough. We to need me. a new definition of heterosexuality. We need yeah. it because it, it needs to include all this toxic shit. I'm like, that was mm-hmm. that was a problem for me coming into adulthood. It was just like, whoa, dudes, I can't. You know, mm-hmm. like the whole locker room thing. I'm like, oh, I've been avoiding that my whole life. I'm, mm-hmm. If y'all got, if y'all need to talk about that, mm-hmm. I gotta go. Personally, I just get out of the locker room. It smells in there. I'm out. I tried to like hang out in there. No. Yeah. I had a buddy, a, a guy I barely knew. We were in like an English class or something, and I was complaining about the locker room, and he said, "Well, you know, I take at our school Title IX was just being implemented, and." They didn't have a men's gymnastics, Mm -hmm. so you could sign up for girls' gymnastics. He said, I signed up for girls' gymnastics. There are no boys in the locker room when you go for class. Mm -hmm. I'm like, cool. (laughs) And I signed up, and I did that for like two and a half years, the last two and a half years of high school. Locker room was mine. There you go. I didn't have to deal with it. I've been avoiding that my whole life. So I'm happy to see all this stuff coming up. I'm mm-hmm. sorry that it's being so painful and violent. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but I think we need to face it. You know, it's interesting. When I went to school, I went to an uh, arts high school. And I didn't have to do, you know, like the football and all that other stuff. Right. stuff because we had movement. And there was, right. I guess the thought was, well, you guys are getting your physical ed through theater. Right. And that sort of stuff. Which, and, of course, yes, it was both yes. women, both girls and boys. You know, we participated in that. So mm-hmm. we didn't have that. Testosterone laden, you know. Right. Hey, did you get laid and all right. that sort of stuff? We didn't have any of that. And the sophomore uh, bully who needs to pick on right anybody they can. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, I didn't. I didn't do theater until like later on in my life. I was more of like the band geek. Uh, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did band and uh, um, choir. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, it's you're right. Like, it's just it's it's everywhere and. and we have to deal with it. Well, so like I said, yeah. for me, there was a sophomore, and he was a big kid on the football team, and he was messing with people. He came to one of our reunions, uh, you know, 10 years later. He came to the first reunion and apologized to all the theater kids. I was like, 
okay, this is so weird, but uh, yay, but yeah. you finally figured it out. <laughs> For like 10 What's minutes, and then they bring the right. back. Yes. 20, the, the guy from 24. I don't need to talk about a case of Sutherland. Sutherland. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So but in any case, it also gets into them uh, regretting the things that they did when they were kids. And mm-hmm. one guy, I think it was Keith Sutherland, who I guess as a boy, mess, you know, he was teasing this black woman. Uh-huh. And he just went back to the black woman and was like, listen, I just want to apologize for everything that I said to you. And it was a wonderful scene where she's like, listen, I spent 20 years forgetting about you. I really don't need you in my face right now. Uh-huh. Uh, so please, just leave. I'm right. married. I've gotten over it. I don't need to see your face. Right. This is your problem, not mine. Right, right, right. Right? right. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Good, <laughs> so, on, so on politics, uh, so chief of staff, this is, uh, I'm reading this right now. I know. Did uh, you hear another one? Bites He's us. He's leaving. Yeah. So everyone's leaving. Yeah, everyone's leaving Donald Trump's. Well, who would? I mean, you know, who would stick around with this guy? So, but what's the, the, the silver lining, if there is such a thing, yeah. is now they're actually bringing the people who we wouldn't have been happy about in the first place. Mm-hmm. But now we're going. Oh, thank God. So um, the for the Army Chief of Staff, because he's thinking about the um, Chief of Staff to mm-hmm. to move into this um, position. Yeah, into John Kelly's position. Yeah. And so he's thinking um, he's going to move a guy who's an actual general. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, somebody who's actually qualified. Uh, yeah. to, uh, to I think it's Nick Ayers. I think that's the guy's name. Mm-hmm. But they're adults in the room. I mean, he's had so many yes men, yes women, yeah. you know, basically bobblehead dolls. But that's the reason why Kelly is leaving, because right. he wasn't the bobblehead doll. Right. He was one like, listen, we, you know, you got to be responsible for what you're saying and what you're doing. Yeah. Obviously, Trump didn't want us to hear that. Right. You got tired of hearing it. So, Mel, how, how are you living in the day of Trump? Days of Trump? Uh, I mean, I ask everyone this. I, I, man, how can you get away from it? Right. <laughs> Almost daily. It's daily. It's daily. It's daily. But, you know, like, sometimes I'll be reading some, and then I just, like, leave a comment, and it's just, you know, like, what can you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. At that point, like, ugh. But at the same time, you know, um, I feel like, I told my kids this, and it's like when when he for, when he won, and it's you know I told them that there's nothing going to change within the room that I occupy. You know, all the things that that we have, you know respect, mm-hmm. you know, respecting our differences, that it's still the 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 rule mm-hmm. in the classroom. And, yeah. and I implore them to actually be a change in terms of the spaces that they occupy. Like if they see something that they do not you know like or approve of, that they have the power to actually do something about it. Yeah, that's right. You know? And that's the thing, you know, people are like, oh, my God, I don't have any power. Like, I've seen a lot of my liberal friends say, my God, he just does everything and he gets away with it. Right. We're powerless. What can we do? And that's not necessarily true. I mean, you know, just because you oh, see. this week. Yeah. The mm-hmm. chickens are coming home to roost this week. Yeah. Oh, my God. So much. All yeah. this stuff is hitting the courts. State. How many states are ready to mm-hmm. file? Yeah, but that's the thing, though. Like, where do you draw the line again? You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it, and. and I feel like for, for these types of positions, you know, um, what's her name? Alejandra Ocasio? Yeah, about how she's so, like, transparent oh, about about mm-hmm. everything. Like, yeah. you know, like, they're, they're, she was saying something about, like, in their orientation. It's like yeah. CEOs that are, yeah. you know, yeah, it's, it's lobbyists. like, yeah, yeah, it's lobbyists. Like, That's right. 
the rich, the, the members of the House of Representatives who take in that money, mm-hmm. they don't have any problems at all. But she didn't take the money, therefore she has to scramble to get a place to stay. No, but why is you're right, right, right? But why? Right. And, and oh, on top of the fact that you know she is paying her one, she's paying her interns. Her interns. Yeah. Yeah. I have interns as you know myself, and I feel like you look the stuff that we're asking them to do, mm-hmm. even though we have done it as well, you know already. Right. right. The, it's it's still hard work. Yes. Right. You yes, know what yes. I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the time that they're spending doing the work that you're supposed to be doing, yeah. they could be doing something else. Yeah. Right. So therefore, you know, people's time are, are, mm-hmm. are expensive. Knowing your worth is, is, is the first thing. And there are a lot of interns who are abused, who right. are, uh, you know, not just sexually, whatever. I mean, that happens as well. But they're asked to do way more than what they should be doing. Oh, they write their things. You see oh, these yeah. people later in their careers, and they'll say stuff like, oh, I wrote the speech for so-and-so. And you're like, wow, you so didn't get credit for it back in the day. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> happens with the Supreme Court justices, yeah. members of the House Senate, yeah. especially if they get older. You know, they're like, well, you know, so and so can't. He's still allowed it. So, so why are they still allowed to go up there and do stuff if you can't read? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you got so much going on that you gotta hire all these other people to do it. Right. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing? Right. More important than what they're doing, right, exactly. and you don't even pay them. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's no, that's it's been it's so the week has been wonderful in terms of all of these revelations. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah. And, and you can tell that Trump is getting more. really, really frustrated with the fact that the House now belongs to the Democrat Party, mm-hmm. and it looks like Nancy Pelosi is going to be Speaker. She better be. Yeah. Well, she's been making a, a bunch of deals with the other members right. who were against her, but now right. not so. You know, well, she better deliver. I mean, at this point, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and also, like, they're trying to, um, um, uh, what do you call this, uh, introduce this bill that's going to be coming on when they take over the oh, house right. about, like, you know, anti-corruption yeah. and all of these, you know. But at the same time, it's like it really is going to show the true colors of, of, of these polit- politicians, whether or not, like, if yeah. they got their hand in, in somebody's pot. Yeah. What we're really you know doing what I mean? is setting the stage for 2020. That's exactly. what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, so. Okay. Yeah. If that's your goal, that's great. Otherwise, it just seems like grandstanding again. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well. So, Mel, are you optimistic or pessimistic about what sort of going on? I, you know, you know I, I try and stay optimistic. You know, you, you have to, or else why even keep going? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. That's the yeah. thing to think about. It. Yeah. Exactly. You yeah. know, and, and, and going back to, you know, to that that thing where I'm just going to try and occupy the space. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's exactly and right. see what I can do with this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. influence this much of what I have. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it's it's hard because you have friends that, that you know, that are undocumented or right. that are trans or, you know, that... Or they're just getting displaced. Right, they're getting displaced left and right. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I'm not in that situation. But, you know... I feel like the the folks that are are making these decisions are so far away removed from the folks that have actual effects on mm-hmm. their judge, mm-hmm. you know, on their decisions that yeah. they're completely um, alienated from it. And mm-hmm. so, why are they making those decisions for for them? Right. You yeah. know. Well, yeah, and that's that's the balance of power, and you hope that that will switch. Yeah, yeah I'm hoping it'll shift. Yeah. So I've got one totally unrelated to our president, sure. um, which <laughs> is big news this week. Yeah. And, and I'm so happy about it because yeah. Kim mm-hmm. gave me, she's like, you know, there's been this big debate about. Kim Donovan? Kim Donovan. Yeah. Radio station decided that they were going to ban playing Baby It's Cold Outside. That became a huge thing. Right. Because and it is very um, sexist. But it, it, mm, so well, the, the, issue, the issue is, and, and I think this is the core of the issue. 
we are in the Me Too era. There's sure. no denying that. Sure. And particularly in, you know, with the recent Kavanaugh thing, which was just a disaster. Yeah. Um, people can be particularly sensitive around this issue right now. So a playful song about a little sexual innuendo between two people. Yeah. Especially when it talks about things like, you know, doping drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, which it doesn't. And, right. that, and that's the whole issue. It's being misinterpreted in a very contemporary way. Mm-hmm. And it's not what the original song was. And it's not what the original song's about. Yeah. So there's been this huge debate. Well, it turns out I think the radio station has said, okay, well, you know what? <laughs> we just wanted to get away from controversy. We'll go ahead and play it. Yeah. Well, because the family... So they ended up playing it? I think they're playing it. The daughter of the composer said, no, this is a song that my father wrote specifically so that he and my mom, going to parties, would do this song. And the song is very specifically about the joke that everybody's getting caught on is, what's in this drink? That was a joke back then. This is coming out of prohibition. This is when people were watering down booze everywhere. Right, exactly. And so people would joke, what's in this drink? Meaning, there's not any alcohol in this drink. Or I don't think, this is supposed to be an alcoholic drink, but I don't think it is. So millennials who are listening, they just called us out. It's basically, as a matter of fact, Ray Charles did a a wonderful. This is a between... This guy who's trying to, you know, get with this woman mm-hmm. and trying to get her, hey, baby, you know, come on inside. And it was originally Doris Day and yeah. somebody. And, uh, and the woman is constantly, you know, protesting, no, it's late. She's but coming up with come. all the excuses, excuses that yeah. society says. Yes. You know, I'll be, people will think things, well, we'll, we'll make sure, oh, I, you know, my mom will worry, my sister will talk. Yeah. And what was cute back then. There are no tabs to be had. Exactly. So now it's interpreted as. Well, this looks like, you know... Date rape. Yeah, date rape, sexual harassment, that sort of stuff. So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It is very interesting. I mean, what what has the woman said about this song? Well, that's... Do they feel the same way about <laughs> it? Women, women have been part of the discussion, but on both sides. Mm-hmm. So, um, so one, his daughter, the composer's daughter, said, no, this is what it was about. This is what it was meant to be. This is... It was never right. a date rape song. Um, and then Kim sent me a really wonderful clip, a YouTube clip of Lady Gaga and, uh, oh, God, what's his name? Tony Bennett? No, the third rock from the sun guy, the um, Levitt, Gordon Levitt. John Gordon Levitt. Joseph, oh, Josh, John, 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 uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt? Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yeah. Um, doing it reversed. Oh, and nice. it works. It so works. Mm-hmm. She's the one saying, but baby, it's cold outside. And he's like, well, then I got to go. People are going to talk. I, it's, it's late. Mm-hmm. I. And finally, you know, it finally ends with him. And what the, not the daughter, another woman, a feminist, a self-proclaimed feminist, wrote up a piece, said, no, you guys are still getting the song wrong. Let me break it down for you. And even in terms of the structure of the song, it ends with them harmonizing. Yes. Yeah, it's cold outside. I'm going to spend the night. Yes, I will. See, that's consent. She ends up giving the, okay, I am still conscious. Yes. I will say yes. That's what I think think we need to argue for is what we have been saying all along Mm -hmm. is that women should be empowered, men should be listening, and women should be empowered to give or withhold. And even more, I know we're going to get into an origin story very quickly, but also, you know, as a boy, as, as I guess, raised, you know, as a heterosexual boy, it's like, hey... You must be persistent in asking the girl out. Right. You know, you can't just lay on your butt. You know, you you know, you don't catch a fish unless you stick your so you stick your pole. Right. Oh, I'm about to <laughs> in, in, in the water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's, I know. Adrian Dean nailed the 
what I'm trying to remember. I gave the analogy of the, uh, the any case, whatever. <laughs> but now we have to rethink being persistent. Can it be equated to, you know, being sexually harassed, harassing a right. woman? Well, and the question is, and this is what's been raised in this as well, is she's saying, I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that. He's offering some suggestions. Yes. Um, is he listening? Yes. And, 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 you know, it's great to kind of say, well, so in that situation, she's the one who's being, her ability to say no is being respected. Right? Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a fantastic discussion. Mm-hmm. I hope that we go that way. Because the other one that actually came up this week is Facebook. I don't know if you have that on your list. Yeah. Facebook um, and uh, Tumblr mm-hmm. um, have done these really repressive things about no sexual, no pornography is what they're saying. Oh, and yeah. what it's really reducing yeah. to is any kind of diversity. I think Reddit, I think, uh, it Reddit was the main thing where they banned pornography, what they right. deemed as pornography. Right. But what is pornography? It could be the picture of David. Well, sexual huh. violence, some sexual violence, some forms of sexual violence mm-hmm. are not being caught by this new marriage. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you get into any kind of sexual diversity, you, you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, so if we're not going to be sex positive yeah. as a culture, I think we have to find that way to be sex positive. Yeah. And still respect people yeah. who have integrity. I just don't know if you can expect a company to have an algorithm to phase all this. Stuff. I mean, we have to take right. responsibility for ourselves. not going to do it. I mean, you know, if someone has a, a risky picture that you don't want your kids seeing, mm-hmm. you can blame Facebook all you want, but you need to go to the source and say, hey, listen, can you take that thing down or adjust your privacy settings? I just, I think it's unfair, maybe this is just on me, to have asked Facebook or Reddit or Twitter or whatever, hey, can you do something about this stuff? Well, what I like is I just reposted a picture this week because they said there was violence. And I went, what? And I had to look because it's covered up. It comes up and it covered up saying you may not want to see this. And I'm like, of course. So I hit it. Mm-hmm. It's the clip that was going around a while back about um, how the British police took down a guy with a machete. Oh, uh, no I guns, remember that. With yeah. no guns. Yeah, that's right. And it's about a two-minute clip. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, you know they've edited it to yeah. show you just how they kept working him back. A group of them just kept working him back and forth mm-hmm. until they're able to get on him and get yeah. him down. Which is what we should be doing now. Well, that's – and they came out saying, why aren't we training our police to do this? Yeah, right. And this is the video, and I'm like, there's no violence in this. Even the takedown barely looks like yeah. anything. Yeah. You know, football games have more violence. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's the crazy. The president has said worse things on camera, and yet <clears throat> they don't say Exactly. So <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with these companies trying to find something. Mm-hmm. I just hope that they get in trouble based on First Amendment because this mm-hmm. is kind of repressive. Exactly. Exactly. All right, let's get into an origin story. Melvin Bassiano. <laughs> <laughs> I know folks have been, well, no, it's, it's an exciting discussion, and I'm glad, I'm always happy when we have these things, because these are things that we need to talk about. Oh, you guys started with a psalm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it went, Welcome uh, to the A. <laughs> <laughs> this is the theater of life. It's all theater. But um, how did you get involved in, in theater? I mean, I imagine, did you come from a theater family? No, I did not come from a theater family. Mm-hmm. Um, I came from, well, my mom was a, a Montessori school teacher, and oh. my dad was a, I believe he worked as an engineer. Yeah. Are you born and raised here in the Bay? No, I was born in the Philippines, and All I right. immigrated here when I was nine, All um, right. and lived in San Jose for, uh, until I was 18, and then I moved out. 
to San Francisco, but I did not get into uh, theater until later on in life. I believe I was um, 23 or 24, mm-hmm. um, and it was with um, one of my good friends introduced me to Bindlestick Studio. Um, and so you were doing music though before that, you said. Yeah, I, uh, so I was playing. Right, I was playing. Uh, I played the trumpet for a few years, mm-hmm. and I got bored of that, and so I taught myself how to play the sax. Mm-hmm. Um, then got bored of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I tried to do the piano like at an early age, but I never. Multidimensional. Yeah. You're very multidimensional. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, and so yeah, and, and when I first started with Bindlestiff, I was actually up in the tech booth. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, it was a new group of folks. They were very uh, eccentric, you know, mm-hmm. to say the least. But mm-hmm. you know, I've never seen a bunch of uh, of Filipinos really doing you know art that you know that I have never seen before. You know, oh. and so mm-hmm. it and, and and it was um, it was refreshing to see um, um, stories. And, and see stories about folks that look like me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that was um, that was what pulled me in. Um, and also given the fact that it was just, you know, it was great. I was like, I was young, mm-hmm. drinking, smoking. <laughs> you yeah. know, part of like the culture anyway. Right. Yeah. You know, and so. Yeah, it, it has always been a wonderful clubhouse in that Exactly, sense. exactly. To grow up. Right. They get to grow, they get to play and uh, not be judged by the, the product that they have, you know, mm-hmm. and actually be able to share that with other audiences that yeah. feels the same way. Yeah. Um, so it was great. Uh, and then. Um, a year later, one of my uh, f- friends that I started to get to know at Bindlestiff um, said, hey, would you be interested in doing, being on stage? And I was like, oh, hell no. What do you mean? They're <laughs> <laughs> like, say things and then move yeah. here and there. Shocking. Shocking. Yeah, yeah, shocking. Yeah, no. And I was like, no, I was so afraid because, you know, I, I feel like, um, you know, when, when you're a performer, you're being judged with, by everything that you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And every single thing might be a mistake and whatnot until, you know, you just figure out that, hey, they're there to support you, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. You already got their money at the door, so it's all right. But it was a great uh, experience, and I haven't looked back since. Yeah. yeah. Now, what brought you, I mean, because you could have just, like, you know, did the Bindlestip thing, and you were involved in Bindlestip before mm-hmm. they moved into this space. I think you, it was a 2005 Yes. Uh, um, it, I, I, they lost the space through housing. Uh, they rebuilt the... Oh, they rebuilt that building. Right, right. They rebuilt the building. However, there were a few folks that really um, uh, went to City Hall, you know, and, and protested and, and really mm-hmm. uh, protested to the point where, you know, they were advocating for a, a, a place of art for right. Filipinos. Right. Yeah. You know, because we did have, uh, you know, through, through talking to, to folks and elders, you know, like the whole... Uh, Yerba Buena Gardens um, mm-hmm. thing. It was supposed they were supposed to have mm-hmm. uh, a specific Filipino um, area, you know, to to commemorate the folks that had lived there from the High Hotel. Right, right. And it ended up being a Burlington Coat Factory. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, know, yeah. and yeah, so the neighborhood exactly. Just took out it took it out. All kinds of communities. Yeah, and they 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 are also doing it again with the 3M project. I feel like it's kind of simmered down now. But mm-hmm. I remember a few years back, um, a lot of the um, community members in the Soma were you know were being divided because mm-hmm. one was for prog- progress, quote right. unquote. You know, by letting. Um, you know, the tech boom that is happening and yeah. them have a space there, but mm-hmm. also at what cost, right. you know, are they going to give back to the community? Right. Because they are letting them do the business there and right. 
in the, in the in the sensible world, you yeah. think you want to do business here, fine. Yeah. Everyone gets to like you know share whatever right. it is that you can right. right, exactly. But it doesn't work out that way. Yeah. Uh, and so we were finally fortunate enough to um, to get approval from the city and uh, were able to move back to the original right. space. Um, I started out at the Natoma Alley, um, which is, I think, a bunch of folks also started with the Natoma Alley. Uh, and now, you know, we have moved back, I think, what is it, 20? It's, it's, six, it's on 6th Street. Yes, it, it's on 6th Street, like yeah. on 6th and Howard. Yeah. Um, through like 2011. Yeah, it, it was in 2011. Yeah. 2011. So that's when I uh, started, because um, Alan Casmorio brought me in to be a, sort of a Charlie Mingus character. But it was part of Stories High, and I quickly realized when I walked in, wow, this is more than just a little theater piece I'm doing. Right. This is a part of a celebration yeah. of being really a part is. of the new, the new building and all this stuff. And yeah. I just felt this wonderful energy. Yeah, no, and Stories High really was the one that um, folks really fall in love with the theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The experience with that particular thing is because it's, you know, you get to work with budding artists mm-hmm. uh, starting out, you know, um, fresh um, writers that are like, you know, just trying mm-hmm. to see if they can write. Right. You know, it's a definitely, it's a, it's a lab, mm-hmm. you know, for folks yeah. who want to try stuff out. And, right. you know, a lot of the times that after folks um, get a taste of stories high, they're wanting more and more. And so, yeah. Yeah. you know, I think that's how a lot of folks mm-hmm. um, are introduced to it. So it sounds like prior to Bendelstiff, you had no as- aspiration or no thoughts oh, no. about theater at all. No, I was uh, I was going to school for hotel management. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's a little the customer service thing, but you know, yeah, yeah. It, it, it didn't pan out because it was too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> how did you, how did you, how did your parents feel? I mean, were they like, what do you mean you get? Oh theater? man, my my parents, uh, they. We've had a, a we have a really rough had a rough um, relationship back then when I was growing up. Um, I like I said I wasn't the most artistic that I got was you know playing music and sure. for me it was it was some I, I feel like thinking about it now it was a form of rebellion because I can make as much noise as I can but as long as it was with an instrument right. yeah yeah, yeah. It's all right so I'd be blasting that trumpet in the backyard mm-hmm. you know or, or you're just playing the sax until like you know until the neighbors are like hey. I take it inside and make more noise and yeah. stuff, you know, and so, um, but afterwards, um, I actually got into it after, uh, after my mom passed away. And so mm-hmm. I was in a really bad, uh, in a really bad, uh, time in my life. Sure. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, one of my best friends, Caddy Vasco introduced me to, to this cat. Cat oh, is fantastic. Yeah. Mommy Queerist, you know, she yeah. loved that and a bunch of other things. That's right. She's working on Prieto with, um, oh God, what's his name? Yosimar Reyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in LA right now. So yeah, oh. th- she's also doing stuff and she's mm-hmm. also an alumni of Benustev. So right. there are yeah, a lot of us that have, leaders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, yeah. left. Um, but Benustev definitely is a community theater and it's community run um, and a lot of it is powered by the love for the art. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was the production uh, team lead for a few years over there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, working closely with the board and they really try and, um, you know, do at least when I was there, um, kind of jumpstart the uh, the having the space back yeah, and having, yeah. infusing it back with new energy mm-hmm. and new art and, and also welcoming back the, uh, the elders that, that right. were in the original space, sure. which a lot of them are like, have kids. Well, it was great. Right. So, you know, bring your kids. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, and, and it, it, because at the same time, you know, for us, it was a playground. Yeah, and we want we want to be able to share that with with the with the 
income and generation, yeah. you know, for them to know yeah. that art is possible. One of the cool things about Bindlestick is there's a wonderful sort of handing the baton. There's one generation that's taking care of it, and then you pass it on to another generation yeah. who also takes on takes that on. I mean, when you first came in, I mean, that was your first experience in theater mm-hmm. in 2011. And then two years later, I'm involved in Stories High 13, and you're sort of taking control yeah. of what's going on. Yeah, at that point, um, you know, it, it was um, – Stories High is usually uh, produced by the production team at Bendelstiff. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's their – I would say they're one of their main stage shows, mm-hmm. um, but it's definitely – it takes about a year. Um, right. And there's a few producers that, that do it. Um, now, the reason why we, did, we, we skipped on 2012 – was um, we had an unfortunate passing of one of our elders. Yeah, he, I, um, I don't know his full name. Eric Fructuoso. Yeah, yeah. And so um, he uh, he was, you know, one of the folks that were, were really, like, the folks that we looked up to, you mm-hmm. know, at least my, my Bindlestick generation. Sure. He was one of the elders that, you know, we would always say what's up to, and he would always be, you know, in, in the smoke room or in the back. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, he's, he's an amazing man, and, and I just wish that he's, you know, he's still alive today for us to, like, mm-hmm. for him to see how, you know, his little kids have, you know, Exactly, but it was, it, we def- it was definitely a, a hard, uh, it took a hard, um, we took a hard hit when, when he left because, mm-hmm. you know, we were just celebrating, you know, the opening, and then we were having stories high in. Sure. It was our second week. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, that's right. Wow. You know, it was our second week of opening, mm-hmm. and we got this call that he's passed. And, you know, how can you do a show? Yeah. Right. You know? so, he died in his sleep, right? Yeah, yeah, he passed away in his sleep, mm-hmm. you know. And he also, he was doing, you know, he also started doing things, you know, better for, for his health. Like, he, started, mm-hmm. he quit smoking, which was great for a few years, you know. And But at the same time, it's when it's your time. Sure, you know? sure, of course. It's your time. Yeah. 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 One of the great things about you, Mel... You know, there are a lot of folks who stay in the community because it's comfortable and it's almost like a warm blanket and you just hold on to it. I mean, I did the same thing with EastEnders. I was with EastEnders for many, many years Mm -hmm. until I finally said, you know, i got to break out. I want to do some other things. Mm -hmm. And you did the same thing. Yeah, you know, I think um, there comes to a point where, like, when you start questioning, is this what I really want to do? (laughs) (laughs) Will I be happy here? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I think... how am I going to make some money? Exactly, how am I going to make some money? Um, But, you know, I think for us, the money definitely will, you know, will deal. But at the same time, for me, I think I I had to realize, you know, the work that, or whatever it is that I want to be involved with, needs to also impact other people in in a a positive way. You know, and and I felt like uh, as much as, you know, Bindlestiff has taught me um, how to work with, with, you know, um, with artists and and community partners, I felt like at that point I had to go ahead and spread my wings and and learn even more. Mm -hmm. You know, because I I, I do believe in, 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 in... professional development, but also being able to bring that back. I mean, I haven't been back in, in years, but, you know, never say never, right? Of course. Yeah. And so, but also at the same time, it's, uh, you, you can't let yourself be stuck in a place mm-hmm. because uh, it feels like a, an abusive relationship. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, sure. I mean, people, I, I forget, you know, I don't know if it was a relative who said, you know, the people who you're around. People can take take for granted exactly. the fact that you're always will be there, and you, you always will do this and that, or whatever. And you can't grow until you move out. Exactly, and, and also, yeah, and also at the same time, you know, it inspired me, and, and it, it 
Benusif did introduce me to other folks that are in the, in the community of, you know, of artists mm-hmm. that I was fortunate enough to also work with. So, yeah. you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's just, you have to grow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so talk about some of the other um, companies that you've been involved in, like the Magic Theater, the Marin Theater mm-hmm. Company, Brava. Yeah, so I, I worked with, I've worked with, um, with Magic Theater, with Dog Eaters when they had the, the Bay Area premiere here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also worked at, um, Marin Theater Company um, for Sarah Rose, the oldest boy, where mm-hmm. we, Jed and I played um, puppeteers to this. Oh, that's right. This tiny thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Tenzin. I mean, I've never had to be a puppet before. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I lied. I had to. I, I played this this puppet for for New Conservatory Theater, mm-hmm. and you know, I, the puppets are great. Mm-hmm. Watching them. Right, <laughs> but being them, yeah. you know, you working working them, it's hard, and yeah. it's you you put yourself in these difficult positions your, for your body that are not normally like there, and you're, you're there for like a couple hours. Oh God, you know yeah. what I mean? And, yeah. and especially during um, during rehearsal, you know, you have to keep going back, you know, and then mm-hmm. do it. But I did learn uh, patience from mm-hmm. from from working with that. <laughs> also, at the same time, too, um, I got to work with um, with my partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think we were able to both infuse our our artistry into this puppet mm-hmm. because our our, um, our goal during the rehearsal was for the director to not ask, "Can you make this happen?" Mm-hmm. Instead, treat the character the the, um, the, puppet. the puppet as an actor. Like, right. can you make him? You know, can he do this? Mm-hmm. And so he's part of a. Of, of the yeah. cast, like we took a nap, we would take naps with him, like mm-hmm. during the show. Very, very cool. Would wear you out. Yeah, no, he, he's amazing. I mean, like he is also. He was also the biggest diva, I think. Mm-hmm. Like the puppet, the puppet had his mm-hmm. own changers. Interesting. Right. Yeah, I mean, like for us actors, I have right. a, a costumer is like great. Yeah, right. put my hand here to stand there. <laughs> but with yeah. this puppet, like you need that hand moved. You right. gotta move it for me. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, and on the last night, the last performance, um, one of his arms come off. Right? Oh, no. It, it, it happens, it, it's okay. supposed to come off. But that night in particular, his other arm finally gives out. And I, I'm also a stage manager. So mm-hmm. I am like going in the back, like pacing back and forth, like, what the yeah, yeah, yeah. He has to go on. Like they are purposely slowing down the scene just so that we can figure a shit out back here. Yeah. But at that point, you know, you just kind of like, I'm gonna walk away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. This is not my. This is your job. It's yeah. not my job. Yeah. I put it Exactly. Yeah. But you know, it it it, it does. Um, and Bendelstam, I believe, has taught me how to like you know roll with the punches with mm-hmm. those kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're in a big house, like over mm-hmm. 200 seats, right. and then you have like, those performances where it's like you know 40, 50, you know, sure. small, and they're like up close to you. Now you you also direct? Is that true? No, I've been asked to direct. Okay. I have. Oh my God, I've worked with. I work with like directors that I like respect and, and mm-hmm. admire, and I just see like the all of the mm-hmm. what do you call this? The detail that goes into it, oh, sure. and I I get. I mean, I'm not saying no to it. Yeah. You know, maybe not right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. not right now. Yeah, but definitely, I, I feel like when when I find that project, yeah, you know, I I wouldn't mind yeah. my hand on. I'm wondering <laughs> if there's any overlap with um 
what happens at Bindlestiff and the kinds of work that you do at Brava. Yeah, so a lot especially of the, the working crew that um, the running crew, the running crew. Yeah, so with the running crew, um, I actually got involved with Brava. Um, uh, this is going to be my fifth year. Um, but the, the specific program that I, uh, that I help teach is the running crew, which we teach them, um, uh, technical theater skills, like mm-hmm. designing lights, designing right. sets, sound, and all of that mm-hmm. stuff, which a lot, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff in Bindle Stiff were, you know, we have like... How old are the kids? If you don't the mind. kids are like from 13 all the way through 18. Okay. Yeah, so they're, they're from, you know, we try to get them in middle school so that we have that for the next four years. Yeah. <laughs> it's better for, you know, right. for, for grants. Um, but a lot of the things is problem solving. You know, when, when, when it comes to community theaters, you kind of have, like, the bare bones of, of equipment. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. what's great with Brava is that, you know, they have a facility, they have equipment. But at the same time, you know, we do teach these kids that, hey, it is a, it's a luxury. It's a privilege to have all of this That's exactly right. You know what I mean? So we have to treat it with respect yeah. because I came from the training where it's like, the knobs on things are missing to right. where if your fingers start to sweat, sure. it'll shock you. Yeah, you know, I've had like, yeah, I remember my first, uh, my first gig at Bindlestiff, I had um, that kind of knob. Oh, yeah, the knob uh, as a dimmer. Really? Yeah, 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 it's like a circular yeah. knob. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and this director was like telling me like, yeah, can I get like 10%? And I said, this is on. Right. This is off, right? And this is half. Yeah, you exactly. get nothing in like in yeah. between those other ones. I think you might have teched for. Um, did you tech for? Uh, there was a genie piece that we did a reading of. Maybe it was Aurora. No, uh, I never worked in Aurora, but G- I, I know Gene Baroga. Gene Baroga. There was one, because I remember the booth giving us that sort of, this is what you got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's like, and we have to. And, and it's have great. To okay, great. Yeah. Thank you. Was it right. buffaloed? Was it buffaloed? Was it, it buffaloed? Because I, I, I think buffalo was we? around around the time of 2011, right. unless it's earlier than that. It, it could have been, but I think a buffaloed is being too big for that space. It yeah. might have been. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I have yet to work with, with the great Jimmy Burrow guy. Whenever uh, I see him, like, whenever you have some. Yeah, exactly. But I know she's talking about. got to go to Hawaii. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> she's, got a, she's developing a piece. Right. I told her, I was like, hey, I have frequent flyer miles. Okay. <laughs> and, and you've done work in Hawaii, too. Yes. Uh, so on my. Um, on my my uh, stage managing uh, side of life. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with Youth Speaks, uh, oh, specifically great. with uh, the Living uh-huh. Word Project. Yeah. And uh, we brought uh, a show out there. It was called Spirit Trials mm-hmm. uh, by That Like Breathway. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, he performed it at, um, at Maui Arts Culture Center. It's like, it's a huge, mm-hmm. amazing facility. like facility, like Margaret Cho's been there. Uh-huh. Um, who else? I think Trevor Noah's done stuff there. So That's right. And Michael Dorado also was our um, 
used to be our, our board on chair. The board. Yeah. He's back on the board, right? Or they're talking about him coming back on the that, board. That, I'm yeah. not sure. It'll be great if we can have, like, you know, have the old folks back and kind yeah. of. Yeah. But the idea is, you know, this is your starting point. Right. But, you know, if you don't have to remain here. You can, you know, venture on and do right. exactly, exactly to grow. And you'll yeah. have the skills yes. that any working theater artist would have from that experience. But, yeah, you can start to yeah. take it into the yeah. Speaking yeah. of skills, and this is something that I ask, uh, you know, I'm always interested in technique and whatever. Mm. I know you never you never went to school for no. acting. Not that you never needed to. I mean, you have great, you know, uh, uh, you know, just authentic skills. But are there things on stage that you've learned? Uh, because we learn, I've been in some really crappy productions. I've been in some great yeah. productions. I've worked with directors who are amazing. I've worked with some directors who are crappy. Right. <laughs> Um, are, what are some of the things that you've learned? Skills-wise, breathing. You know, breathing. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I, I find myself, and I think in people in general, when they become um, nervous, yeah. they start to talk really, really fast. Right. You know, and I think uh, theater has taught me how to uh, listen also. Yeah. Yeah, uh, when it comes to skills, you have to, um, it, it's, it's so much more about what's on the page, I feel mm-hmm. like, for me, uh, for us actors, it's how we, re- we react to whoever is our scene partner. Yeah. And I think if we don't breathe, we tend to hold that energy and, and we, you know, you're not able to give that yeah. back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and also just being in the moment mm-hmm. of it. Uh, but skills-wise, um, I, I think, you know, um, I've always had a hard time Memorizing, getting <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. and so one of the things that I started to do is actually writing everything down. Mm-hmm. That's a technique that I use all the time. I write it because yeah. once you write it, yeah. you know. Yes, you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, you like, know what you know, and you're in black and white. You exactly. know where you're in your trouble. Exactly, yeah. and and you can figure out why why it's hard for you to like maybe mm-hmm. uh, get this line continued on. And right. like for me, before I started writing, it was because the, I, mean, I was turning the Page. Right, yeah. Right, because it's like, oh, it's up top here. And so what mm-hmm. I started to do then, if it's like a thought, I just write it at the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that it's it's there. Right. You know, and then you learn these little things that, that only sometimes work for you. That's it. That's yeah. an each one reach one thing where I'm always telling people, if you've got a page turn, if you have a line at the top of the next page, write, write it, it down. at the bottom of the page. Yeah, exactly. That page turn is going to kill us. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, it's, it's it, especially with readings, you know, like right. for, for right. Monday Night Playground, it's like we're given like 80 minutes. Yeah. 80 minutes to here's the script and, right. you, know, and you have props. <laughs> oh, that is the crazy. And I'm just like, oh, okay, God. you want us to look natural or all right, well, whatever. We know we're reading. My playwright <laughs> kept giving me little notes about what the actors are doing. And I'm thinking, we got to move around. They got to deal with props. I'm trying to think about what an actor can, you know, because that's juggling. At that point, you're talking about doing three things yeah. at once. I am not going to try and throw more into that mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, I go through the same thing with the Playwright Center uh, when I worked with them last this past summer, mm-hmm. where you have playwrights who don't understand, hey, this is this is just a piece in the works. Right. You know? You're throwing us props, plus we have a script. So I've got a prop in one hand and a script in the other hand. Right, yeah. How do I turn the page and all that stuff? Right. Yeah, write it at the bottom so you don't have to do that. Exactly. Give yourself you know, enough time. Also, yeah. one of the uh, things that I did, I recently did um, – uh, a musical. It was my first musical ever. Mm. You sing too? Yeah. Right on. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been taking lessons. I'm like, it better pay off. <laughs> 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 no, but um, one of the things I, I was very 
scared of the singing and the dancing part. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I can carry a tune, not, you know, pretty pretty okay. But the dancing part, I'm not, mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. They asked me to do these things, and oh, God bless, bless, bless her heart, uh, Allison Paraiso. She oh. was amazing. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it, I, what I did was um, having to, you know, obviously, like, know the track. Yeah. Right. Knowing, right. you know, your your part. Yeah. But having to sustain the same amount of um of volume as oh, you're sure. moving. Mm-hmm. And so what I try to do is like I would run, mm-hmm. like you know, like not not like fully run, but like jog on a steady pace. Right. Mm-hmm. But also try and sing without making it yeah. uh waver. Exactly. Yeah. Sustaining that. Yeah, it's, I think it's about the diaphragm. There's a diaphragm, for those who don't know. It's the muscle between your lungs and your abdominal cavity. And if you can get your diaphragm, and that happens when you run, because your diaphragm, there's no muscles in your lungs. So that sustains your breathing. Exactly. And it's like it's making sure that you have a great foundation. And yeah. um, really, when, when it comes to uh, if you if, if anyone's listening that wants to like, improve on their voice, mm-hmm. um, definitely like you know look up um, – voice coaches or, or right. uh, um, singing coaches mm-hmm. just because um, they're able to um, kind of isolate what problem you might be right. having and like you know sure. overcome that yeah. 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 and then another thing is yeah. um, I love um, I love nature and so you know I love camping and doing all sorts mm-hmm. of things mm-hmm. but uh, one of the things that I also did was um, we went to Yuba River before the summer ended and, oh, nice. you know and just hung out at the river with yeah. like just where it was loud, uh-huh. but if you can sing over it and yeah. still sustain that kind uh-huh. of thing, so uh-huh. it's another way of you know, yeah, of enjoying the the wilderness, but also like, hey, maybe I gotta I gotta practice this one song yeah. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But you were yeah. mentioning yeah. breathing. Exactly. You were mentioning breathing, especially when it comes to acting. That's so important, especially mm-hmm. when you yeah. have to stay emotionally connected right. with the script, with your partner, or whatever, mm-hmm. because. We talked about another in another episode on the yay, mm-hmm. where you can hold emotions in. There right. are people who have gone through traumatic events. Yeah, they and pockets. Yeah, exactly. Places. And you hold yourself, mm-hmm. let's say, at that traumatic moment, and you hold on to these things. Right. And breathing sort of allows you to emote and right. to connect. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I uh, that I got um, a note on was uh, I would usually like breathe in. Mm-hmm. Let it go and then say the uh, 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 let it go and then say the line right. instead. But I was told that you know that kind of takes away the energy behind it. Right. Yeah. You know yeah. because you're kind of if it is that sort of like you tense up because it is traumatic, mm-hmm. then use that and en- you use that tension to like mm-hmm. throw that line or throw that emotion across. Where yeah. It, you know because it's about bouncing off of each other, right? When you're exactly. You're so, you know, how comfortable you are with your singing partner, how comfortable you are with the text. And also, I mean, when I went to school, we talked about sense memory and there's some emotions that we're not comfortable with. You know, I was the type of guy, I would never like to get angry. And so I would, there would be scenes where I would laugh and I'm like, and the teacher's like, okay, why are you laughing? I'm like, well, I don't know. And, you know, you have to get in, into, you know, what's going on. So you have to know yourself. Yeah. I want to ask a question as far as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to events, I think that's something I've asked Norman. Let's say 
you're at a class and you're dealing with students, and let's say they're going through something at home. Oh, yeah. Do you have to deal with, sometimes you have to take the teacher off and be a counselor? Yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of the times, like, the kids that we get are the kids that are usually, uh, you know, very shy or mm-hmm. closed off. Yeah. And um, my goal usually at the end of the year is make sure that they they break out of their shells, Yeah, you know. Um, but I've been fortunate enough to uh, to actually have a, um, a conversation with their parents as well oh, good. to make sure that, you know, I check in with them if there's anything that's going on. Um, I know there was one instance that a few years back where I had a student, um, their, their uh, house got burglarized, you know, and that's very traumatic, yeah, you know what right. I mean? And so at that point, you know, it was the parents who reached out to me. And told them about the situation, yeah. wanting me if there was anything that might be mm-hmm. alarming or if you know that something is off with the, with their child. Yeah. It was probably because of that. Yeah. And you know, I appreciate the fact that the parents actually like let me know what's going on with their kids mm-hmm. versus me having to like reach out to them and say, "Hey, I yeah. noticed these kinds of things." Yeah. But then once you know that's brought up, I I don't actually like bring it up. In front of the kid, of course, of course, you know yeah. what I mean. Unless yeah. they choose to divulge that information sure. to yeah. me, because it's something personal, you know. But sure. I definitely, um, I definitely give. I have this open door policy where you know, if there's something that you want to talk to me about, you know, I'm more than just a teacher. Yeah, you know, because definitely I care about you, your whole well-being. Sure, you know, and so I, I feel like I have a very close, you know relationship with the students that I have. Not just because, you know, we, yeah. we yeah. go through we go through a lot of stuff in, t- in terms of, like, tech week. Oh, my God, where right. you might say things that you don't mean. You right. know what I mean? Right. <laughs> but yes. at the end of the day, you know, you, you need to be able to uh, kind of take off that hat and just be their friend. Mm-hmm. Just be that someone that they yeah. probably they probably talk to you more than they talk to their parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I think I may have asked you this question before, Norman. Especially as a director, let's say you're putting together a show, and let's say you recognize uh, something from the child or whatever that doesn't seem quite off or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you is it? Do you feel it's your responsibility to say, "Hey, what's going on?" Or are there other people who are involved in that? Um, for me, it's one. You're. What is the lesson? What am I teaching yeah. right now? And is the student connecting to it in some unusual way or not, or yeah. disconnecting in some notable way? Uh, and I try it in class, try to keep it in that context. I'll check in with the kid after class, and I will check in with staff, because uh, East Bay Center for the Performing Arts is one of the places I teach, and they have staff. That's what their job is. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that they were better. They're not always. They're dealing with so many moving pieces, they don't always get to you and tell you that this kid has a problem. But more than once, I've gone to say wondering about this kid. Oh, yeah, you need to know A, B, and C. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me that earlier? Right. There was one kid where, yeah, he actually had an episode in class, and and I thought he was, you know, he was not, he wasn't bigger than me at the time, but he was healthy. You know, he probably had 20 pounds on me, 25 pounds on me. If it had gotten to any kind of physical thing, I'm like, and he was, he suddenly was, like, he was out. He had an episode. He really was kind of gone. Mm. And I stepped to him because he was looking like he was about to engage with other kids, and he just didn't know how to take it, and he left. He didn't know enough to not engage. He left. And so I kind of dealt with the class for a moment, and then I went to find out what was going on. 
He got downstairs, got outside the building. I think somebody, again, tried to engage with him in the lobby. Mm. And he went outside and collapsed. Oh, wow. Hmm. And so when I talked to him about this, they said, yeah, we knew when he came into the program that he had some stuff. And I was like, you should tell every teacher who's going to deal with him that. Because finding it out in the middle of a big class, I had a large class that I was dealing with, I was like, this is really not the appropriate place for this. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Did you ever get to talk to him? Go ahead. Oh, no. I I mean, eventually, we didn't talk directly about what was going on with him. These other people did, and he was talked to, and his family was engaged with, and that was all. Mm -hmm. It was dealt with appropriately in that sense. It was just the not giving us a heads up. Yeah. But I know this, but I decided, and I've said this before, I've decided a long time ago, I'm not a therapist. Um, I do that in my personal life. I don't, I'm not trying to bring that into the classroom. It's not my role. There is a healthy, beneficial thing that theater can offer you as an outlet, as an outlet of expression. That is what I'm offering you. Right. And if I see that you're having places where you're having trouble engaging with that, then that's useful information. And I love telling kids that because I had a student once who was just horrible. She was an actress, a horrible actress. But she stayed and she worked hard. And a few years later, she was at Cal Shakes. And I was like, oh, Okay, I would never have guessed that. That wasn't my goal, but my goal also wasn't to fix whatever was going on with her. I'm like, no, I'm offering you some tools, some skills, some insight, and what you can do with it, you do with it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, some of us, I still am learning. So Mm -hmm. I don't expect everybody to get everything out of what I'm doing in class. I do have to limit for myself how much I can do. I'm not God. Yeah. I can't fix these people, right. but maybe I can offer them something. Yeah. And it's wonderful how people are working with whatever their issues are without telling you. You may not even know. Right. So the one person who you thought, oh, my God, this person is not working, but all of a sudden they're at Cal Shakes. I can tell that that person was probably working with their own personal thing. And we ran into that recently, a couple months ago, and, yeah, it was the same sort of thing where it's like, oh, you've got some personal stuff going on. Okay, good. We can make space for that. Yep. Yep, yeah, yeah, we dealt with that one during our production form in the past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, the, um, the question for you, have you had to deal with, uh, what was the most either enlightening or difficult role you've had to um, take on? Oh, difficult or enlightening role. <laughs> one or the other. Oh, man, difficult role. Uh, I mean, I, I always see uh, roles being difficult because, especially if they're, you know, if they're, uh, Based off of a real person, yeah, you know, because you want to give it respect, sure, in, in a way. So yeah. every role to me, I think, is like difficult. But I think um, for me, the first uh, full length that I ever did was uh, my Theo Loca's Life of Crime, mm-hmm. where um, I played a, a nephew of uh, of uh, Theo Loca. <laughs> No, it was a it was a bindle yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I've uh, he was part. Um, the, the part was originally supposed to go to a rapper. Okay. And I'm not a rapper. And also, there's already that level. Like, can you do that? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that that in its own was difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but also at the same time, um, it was really for me the first time I had to create a uh, um, a character. Yeah. And this character I felt like is based off of a real, a real person. Right. You know what I mean? Who, who was the writer? It's essentially mm-hmm. him talking about his uh, his aunt. Right. You know that that raised him. And right. so after kind of going through that, like seeing seeing it on page, 
and seeing the person who wrote it, you kind of see like a similarity in terms of, you know, and so I think that it was difficult in a sense that I felt like that particular character was based off of the writer. And so, you know, it it, it was difficult in that way. But at the same time, too, it's like being open with your your director. I feel like if there's uh, anything at all that you don't feel you're safe or a little unsure about, like, you know, us actors are like, well, you know what, give it a try. And we would. We'll try it. We'll we'll try it. We'll try it until, like, there's no more other, you know, like the pile of bad ideas is (laughs) full. You know what I mean? But you have to have that, um, that, I guess that, um, what am I trying to say? Uh, It's okay. Yeah, for you to to go to your to your director and get some sort of direction, mm-hmm. you know yeah, what I mean, important. and ask yeah. for it because yeah. the 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 worst part about being an actor is going on that stage, having this like you're in headlights, like I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do, right? right. You know right, what right, I mean? Right, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, that can be tough. You, can, you know, coming out of school, mm-hmm. I had this mentality which I had to break myself out of. The director is almost like the teacher. Yeah. You follow that person, whatever he or she says, and you just go with it. And if something's wrong, that's your fault. Mm-hmm. And I had to break out and say, listen, this isn't working for me. Can you tell me? Was that is that difficult for you? I mean, let's say um, to, tell a, to tell a director, listen, you know, that direction isn't – can we try something else? Yeah. You, you know, I think um, working on a play or working on anything that – it requires more than one person. Yeah. You really need to be able to like, you know, kind of also come prepared. Mm-hmm. You know, I always tell my students like, Hey, you know, when, for, for, for when we're doing plays, the, the homework that we really do in the rehearsal is for us to uh, work on it on our own and mm-hmm. then bring what we right. have to the table. Right. Exactly. That's exactly you right. know what yeah. I mean? And mm-hmm. being able to do that. And now, for example, it, you know, in, with, with the true ass, if something isn't working, maybe it's because it's, it's the way it's being blocked. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. also at the same time, you're the one who's acting, so therefore it should feel natural to you as much as it sh- you know, yeah, as much yeah. as you can, mm-hmm. you know. But if you have a director who wouldn't even try and give it the light of day in terms of trying to, you know, let's let's explore that. Do right. we like? Do we have enough time to explore it? Right. You know, like stage manager, do we have five minutes to see if we can do it this way? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to take away from the art; it's mm-hmm. only going to add to it because right. if it doesn't work, then put it on that pile of. Mm-hmm. A bad idea. Bad ideas. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And, and you need a director who can admit, okay, right. this is working. I need to. Because there's some who are like, no, it's got to work. Or, you know, there's they, this they have a one-track mind. Yeah. And nothing else fits. Right. Yeah. And then there's even those those directors that give you vague mm-hmm. right. notes. Yeah. Right. And you're kind of left, like, yeah. scratching your head, like, well, what, what the fuck did I do to yeah. begin with? <laughs> <laughs> I've admired with you, Norman, if you don't mind me, you know, well, kissing your tushy a little bit. But your your ability to express yourself to mm-hmm. actors who come from different stages of, of walks of life. Right. Because you can't speak to, speak to one actor one way. I mean, one actor, you can't use one language to all actors. What I, what I had to remember is I'm not teaching. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is not a teaching. Nobody, these people did not sign up for a lesson from mm-hmm. me. So it's not my, I do not have permission to go there. Right. But it is a collaborative thing, and something's not working. So I maybe I have some thoughts on what we're aiming for that we're missing or mm-hmm. what's not working, but I need to engage those people around it and yeah. 
And ultimately for me, and it's, it's the same thing with the, the class that I just had performed, um, and it's funny, I've been taking all these long notes, I'm like, oh, I'm going to use this, I'm going to use this, I'm going to use this. Um, yeah. but, you know, to, to let them know that I have some expectation, but I'm also trying to see what's sticking and what isn't, and yeah. then I can figure out where next to go with my lesson. It's the same thing in directing. I know we're trying to get to a place, like, say, to a place of intimacy, for example. Yeah. Um, how are these people going to get there? Because I know how I would do it, but I'm not performing. <laughs> right. So what can these people bring to it? Does that work? Mm -hmm. Ooh, that works. Or, ooh, I need a little bit more of this or a little less of that. Mm -hmm. But now it's based on what they're doing, which ultimately, it took me a while to learn that if you don't figure out what the actors can and cannot do, mm -hmm. You might have the most brilliant understanding of this interpretation of this script. That's not going to happen. Or worse, it's going to be stilted and weird because it's not what they, they don't would be. understand why they're doing it. Well, also at times too, I think you know it's being able to articulate what you want. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like if a director, maybe for me, a director is the one who's helming the you know the wheel. Like if they're right. they're going to take it wherever they need to go. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And we're just kind of there in the back. Like all right, I'm going to make sure that I shift my weight here when you make this turn. Exactly. You know what I mean? I'm going to work with what you're working with. Yeah. But if you don't have a clear vision of right. what exactly. you want, yeah. then it's like a bunch of chickens just running around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've dealt with directors who may have had a clear vision, but they don't know how to express it. Yeah. And that could be a problem. You know, we've been gone over an hour and a half. Wonderful. Let's do shout outs. Birthdays. Uh, birthdays. Um, and it's the first of the month, so I actually, the first thing I'll start with is Counting Actors. Yeah. Um, Valerie Leak does a thing, I don't know if you're aware of it, called Counting Actors, where they just, um, and she started it with an idea of just showing the Bay Area mm -hmm. what our gender representation is. Oh. So in November, and it's the beginning of the month, mm -hmm. they always put out what the stats were for the last month. So in November, there were nine shows. It's self-reporting. You can report your own show. As producer, as, you know, as artist in the show, you can do it as an actor, I mean, as an audience member. Mm -hmm. So if you go see a show, report it. Mm -hmm. but, uh, there were nine shows, um, which is weird, because it says nine shows, but then it says Playwrights 18, so uh, I don't know. Oh, I see. No, I don't see. Two playwrights per play? Yeah, nine women and nine men. I, I'm not really understanding that. Fourteen directors, five women and nine men. Uh, 36 union actors, 20 women and 16 men. Women finally right on. beat up on that one. And non-union artists, 35, 20 women, 13 men, and two trans or non-binary. Okay. Um, and then the totals. And do they say the shows they do? The Wickham's Christmas at Pemberley in the Marine Theater Company. MTC, yeah. Co-written by two women. Everything is Illuminated, the Aurora, Dracula, which we DMT. Theater, the um, we swim, we talk, we go to war, Golden Threads production, Cardboard Piano, New Conservatory Theater, Tuck Everlasting at Theater Works, Twelfth Night, the Reagan Shakespeare Festival. Note, a cast of six actors played all the roles here. So women played Feste, Andrew Aguicic, Malvolio, Sebastian, and Antonio. Men on boats at ACT. And it says, um, as per playwright's note, this play is to be cast with women and non-binary actors. Mm-hmm. In this production, all actors use she, her pronouns. Oh, and also for that particular production, mm -hmm. I believe it's primarily all local artists that they hired. Yeah, nice. Yeah. 
Uh, Besties, Left Coast Theater, an evening of six short plays. Actors played multiple roles across the pieces. Six playwrights, that's where we get all the playwrights. Six playwrights, three male, three female, five directors, four male, one female. So that was counting actors. Very nice. Birthdays. Birthdays. I'm getting used to this damn new phone. <laughs> yeah, let me, I, I got it. I got it. You got it? Okay. Um, except I, that I don't know. Oh, Douglas B. Oh, gosh. How can you say it? Georges? I got to learn how to pronounce his name. He was in um, um, Scapegoat with me earlier this year. He's okay. fantastic. Evren. How do you pronounce Evren's name? Odkin. Odkin, yeah. Okay. Um, his birthday is tomorrow. Ken Watt, amazing director from the Bay Area. Birthday's coming up. Alexandra Creighton, actress. Kent Nicholson, amazing director and theater developer. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I say development. I always think that's money, but no, he's he's done some of that, but he's also been on the side of, of producing new works. Um, Clark Supernowitz is a composer, local composer. Uh, Lisa Drostova, uh, director, actor, mm-hmm. major theater artist. Uh, gosh, Giovanni, I, I'm going to mess up her name. Do you know her name? Espiritu? Giovanni? Giovanni. Uh, Oh, Alison Payne? No, Giovanni Espiritu? Yeah, yeah. Giovanni. It's just, it's a woman, and I'm like, it's Giovanni, though, that's weird. Giovanni. Um, and anybody else? Um, I know a young actor, Kobe, Kobe, Abel, Bernstein. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sherilyn Lee's birthday will be coming up Wednesday. All right. She's passed. Yeah. But she, um, and Trish Mulholland's birthday is coming up. She, oh, geez, Michael Jean Sullivan's birthday is coming up. Mm-hmm. Quite the and Angelo Shay Angelo Acevedo's yeah Benton Green uh, used to be a local actor is now a New York actor mm-hmm. Michael Agrelli Michael Agrelli yes and Howard Swain that's the last one I had oh wait there's one more yeah it's Jed's birthday on the twelfth oh Jed right on Jed Jed Parsario all right, right. No, I didn't have it. <laughs> no I, I know I just bought him his gift yeah <laughs> and the age just sneaky enough yeah. And the day after Jed's birthday is uh, Julie Kuwabara. Yeah. Yeah, her birthday's on the 13th. Shay, you just mentioned him. Our, um, he was our, our Chester Hines. That's right. His birthday's on December the 14th. A teacher that I had at Ellington, Tia Harris, a wonderful woman. Uh, her birthday is uh, tomorrow. And Allison Payne, that was uh, a name that you mentioned. Uh, I've acted with her. I think we did a... Um, I think we did Hella Gobbler together. In any case, uh, her birthday is December the 11th. And that's all that I have. Uh, shows? I really don't. I, you know, Playground's coming up in um, two weeks. I think yeah, so. Monday Night Playground. Monday Night Playground. Um, and History of World War II. Oh, um, John. John Fisher. Mm-hmm. He is still doing that. Uh, Sir Raphael, I'm going to continue to punch, push that. Did you get to see it? No. Okay. No, no. But uh, I, I know you talked about it. Yeah. But uh, I, I definitely we will focus on that. And uh, uh, speaking of Bendelstiff, Lorenz Gonzalez is uh, in it. Yes. And it's only played for one weekend, right? This thing? That yeah, that's right. It's only for one weekend. It's very, very short. Uh, December the, uh, the 6th. Uh, uh, hold on. Let me, let me look. Yeah, 6th, 7th, 8th, night. So it ends on the night. Tomorrow. Tomorrow's the last uh, showing for it. And a time for Hawking? Did you know that one? 
Oh no! Because that's like Alan Payne and Adrian, and it's that's all, right. Alan all these folks. That, Alan, Alan Coyne. Coyne. Yeah. Alan Coyne. <laughs> um, that is. And I have uh, theater first. The three Jones history of mm-hmm. next. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people's history of next. Oh uh, right, yeah, yeah, that seems fascinating. And uh, that's all that I have. I think I think I've done everything that I was going to do, and you mentioned the other ones. So. Yeah. Melvin, did you have a good time? Yeah, no, it was great. It was great. Yeah. Uh, it was my first podcast ever, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Conference of the Birds. Didn't mention that one. That's um, um, that's Ubuntu. The Brooklyn Preserve. Back at the Brooklyn Preserve, yes. Yeah. We had um, we had um, Fallon, Fallon Brazer, who owns the Brooklyn Preserve on. Oh, when I was gone? Yeah, while well, you were gone. Damn it. I know. <laughs> you, you're I miss all you're the cool people. I know. Well, no, I she was fantastic. Also, I'm not happy. That's right. <laughs> And we've been we've been down to get you on, and we're so glad to have you on. Oh, of course, so an hour and a half, you know, that shows how much we we been wanting to have you. Oh man, it's, it's good. I'm I'm so glad I finally got some time out of my calendar. Yeah. Like, oh Norman, yes, yes. I know, I love it. It's, oh wait, that's tech. Oh wait, we I have know. the show. I know. It's just it's been busy. It's also with like with it's the holiday. Yeah, yeah, holidays coming up. So you know. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I guess we'll spend the next couple of podcasts talking more about end of the year, holiday, end of the year. That's right, and I'll talk to Dave Character, so, you know, we'll have our end of our year thing. But it's great seeing you again, man. You too. Yeah. You guys are both, you know, it's always good. It's a pleasure. Yeah. All right, here's my blurb. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads, and any app, any... Any app that you use for podcasting, listening to podcasting, just type the yay, you'll find us. Um, if you, let's say if you want to listen to your podcast on your laptop or desktop, you can click on iTunes. Just click on iTunes, go on store on the search engine on the upper right-hand side and search for the yay, you'll find us. If you're an Android user, you can download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com and you can find us. The yay was created by theater people for theater people. And that's Norman's phone. <laughs> His new phone that he's trying to uh, to use. Okay, there you go. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, if you just want to advertise yourself, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. Um, you can find me, Red Space Clay. And I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. Melvin, do you have a, um, a Twitter? Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, I don't. I have an Instagram. Yes. Yeah. It's M-E-L-T-O-T. Mel Tot. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You can find us. And we've got a fucking kind of sign-off. <laughs>